Hi there, this is Oren and we are going to be revising today for Higher History Essays, Britain Issue 1, The Reasons That Britain Became a Democracy. So, um, I would like to start with the introduction of your essay. So this will be a BFL introduction, two points of background knowledge, factors and your line of argument. So the in the two points of background knowledge for Issue 1, you could include before 1832, Britain was a class-based hierarchical society. Only upper-class rich men could vote. They had to own property. There was no secret ballot. MPs did not get paid, so they had to be men of means. There was need to mean, need for reform because of protests and riots from working-class people. The factors that will be that is possible to be included in this issue one essay is industrialization and urbanization, foreign influences, pressure groups education and newspaper, World War One, and political advantage. So first paragraph we're going to start with was industrialization. And your first knowledge point will be that between 1750s and the 1850s, Britain went through big changes linked to the new technology, factories and methods of transport brought into the country, specifically the National Rail Network. Before, most people lived in the countryside, but after, most people lived in the cities. Your second knowledge point for industrialization and urbanization would be that this created a middle class managers and owners of new businesses who wanted the vote and were granted it in 1832. There were also railways now up and down the country linking everything. The analysis for industrialization and urbanization is that middle class people getting the vote only strengthened demands for working class people to also get the vote. Railways enabled political campaigners and ideas to travel and spread. Your analysis plus slash limitations for this will be that industrial revolution began in the 1750s and finished around the 1850s, almost 100 years before equal voting in Britain. The evaluation for this is that industrialisation was not the key factor that drove Britain to become a, the most democratic, a more democratic company, shown by the fact that France was able to have electoral development without clear industrial revolutions. However, it was an enabler that allowed pressure groups to communicate, organise and be stronger and more effective because of it. It is clear that industrialisation does nothing without people in of itself, showing that pressure groups is more important as whilst they were enabled by industrialization, democracy was only changed and developed through the people and the pressure groups they formed to directly communicate and lobby governments. So your second paragraph will be on foreign influences and your first knowledge point will be that political revolutions took place all over the world at the time. 1848 was the Italian revolution, that's um, 101 years before the end of World War II. So 1848 was the Italian Revolution. 1917 was the Russian Revolution. And 1865 was the American Civil War. Now, 1865 was 101 years before Dad was born. So 1865, American Civil War. Your second knowledge point will be that countries in Britain, in the British Empire, were giving women the vote and extending the franchise to all their people. For example, New Zealand, which was in 1893, and Australia, which was 1902. The analysis for foreign influences was the revolution in other countries made British powers fear a revolution in Britain too. People 
in Britain were inspired by revolt overseas. People in power thought it'd be better to lose a little power slowly than all of it in a revolution. New Zealand and Australia's reform was an embarrassment to Britain as they were meant to lead the British Empire. Your A+, plus, your limitations for this, was that there's no evidence to support this. Many countries gave women the vote after Britain, for example France in 1945, suggesting that New Zealand in Australia's reforms were not the reason. The evaluation for foreign influences is that in evaluation, the British empires were was confident in their control over the population of Britain. Britain had never followed a revolutionary course, rather changing the rules slightly to keep people happy whilst never giving in to the population. Hence, Britain was clearly going to pay attention to its European neighbours, however, would not have sparked a revolt amongst the population, demonstrated clearly by the formation of the Labour Party in the 1900s, showing that the working class were more into democratic change than violent revolution. Third paragraph, party politics. The first knowledge point for party politics was that the Conservatives usually opposed electoral reform. However, led by Benjamin Disraeli, they proposed changes in 1967 to get votes, namely the Second Reform Act, which extended the franchise to men who paid rent of £10 or more. This is known as dishing the Whigs, as the Liberals were forced to back the Act so to not lose votes from lower class people. Your analysis for this party politics point is that the introduction of the Second Reform Act introduced due to party politics made Parliament more representative of the population and hence the country more democratic. Your limitations or analysis plus is that there were still only two political parties, main ones at the time, suggesting that any changes would have a minimal impact. Your evaluation is that the Conservatives' introduction of the Second Reform Act was an attempt to outmaneuver the Liberals by introducing welfare reform to gain votes from the Liberals. Whilst party politics brought an extension of the franchise, it can only ever be seen as a small step towards democracy as it only affected a small group of working-class men who who paid over £10 rent. £10 was a lot. Hence, pressure groups were more important as they allowed disenfranchised people to politically participate. Knowledge one point for our next paragraph, which is pressure groups, is that there were a range of pressure groups who campaigned to make Britain more democratic in different ways. Examples of these groups are the Reform League and the National Reform Union, who were active in the 1800s. They generally used peaceful methods to see change, um, and they wanted all men to be get to get the vote. MPs to be paid equal constituencies and no requirement for an MP to own land. My second knowledge point is that trade unions were also a form of pressure group who represented working men. They aimed to reform the socio-economic conditions of working men through withdrawal of labour, effectively forcing the government to take actions towards reform. Trade unions across Britain effectively morphed into the Labour Party, effectively giving people uh, in trade unions someone to vote for. Your analysis for this is that democratic groups like this helped bring issues to the public attention and allowed ordinary people who may not have the vote to engage with politicians directly. This was a huge step in a place where most people were still excluded from political participation. Your analysis plus and limitations for this is that many groups, including the Chartists, although often peaceful, did conduct rallies which resulted in riots, thus justifying the government ignoring them as they didn't want to be seen to giving in to violence. 
Your evaluation for this is that pressure groups were the one factor that utilised and connected the people and gave them their voice. Pressure groups were able to take industrialization and use it to spread political messages up and down the country. Pressure groups allowed people to use their powers in numbers and gave working people a platform they'd never seen before. Each factor was useful towards the development of British democracy. However, pressure groups used them all to bring about actual change. By 1914, the suffragette pressure group campaigning for women's suffrage had over 53,000 members. So, for your next factor, which is education and newspaper, your first knowledge point is that a better informed public is better at taking part in debate and therefore can try and influence those that make decisions. There were two major actions to improve this. First is that in 1855, stamp duty, a form of tax, was removed from newspapers, meaning that they were cheaper to buy, leading to an explosion of the sale of newspapers. Equally, in 1872 in Scotland, primary education became compulsory, ensuring that people could read, write and understand. Your analysis for this factor is that this was important as the more opportunity people had to read about politics in newspapers and so on, ensured that more people took an interest. In particular, it helped the working class be involved in political campaigns, which inspired people to demand further reforms. Your analysis plus for this, or limitations, is that newspapers did not focus entirely on political and social issues, often including gossip and luring stories, meaning that people did not automatically become better informed by reading newspapers. Your education and newspapers evaluation is that in evaluation, whilst development in education and newspapers was helpful, it is important to realise that newspapers bring along a level of bias that individuals need to distinguish. However, people could not do this with a basic primary school education. On top of this, the people who'd been given the primary school education when it was introduced in, the, in 1872 would not receive the franchise until some of them were in their 50s so you have your world war one your next factor i think maybe the last factor your k1 for this is that during world war one men were conscripted to fight from 1916 to 18 as they were forced to go to war a variety of jobs were left behind women therefore in stepped in to fill the gaps in many ways for example working in munitions factories or as police officers World War Two, at World War One, your second point of knowledge in February 1918, just before the end of the war, men over 21 and landowning women over 30 gained the right to vote. Your analysis for this is that these people were given the vote as a thank you for their war efforts on the basis that it was impossible to force men to fight and then deny them the vote that when they return. Your analysis plus for this is that men had previously fought in wars such as the Boer War and not been given the vote. When men did get the vote, it was impossible to suggest that particularly older, rich and educated women should not also be allowed the vote. Your evaluation for this is that the First World War changed Britain forever. The arguments for extending the franchise were already there and posed by pressure groups. The war simply sped up how seriously they were taken. Without the pressure groups constantly fighting for the arguments in the first place, the war wouldn't have contributed to Britain becoming more democratic. Hence, pressure groups is the most important factor. A direct parallel with France, with France can be drawn here. France had very similar social situations and economic situations both before and after the war as Britain. 
Now, France didn't bring in any democratic reform until 1945, and this can be put down to not having any pressure groups before the war, whereas Britain did. And that is your whole essay.